everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us each bring a fic to discuss. Reed, what did you bring for this episode? My fic is Felicitous by Among Lilies. It is a Fire Emblem Three Houses Western AU for the pairing Felix Sylvain. Brenna, what is your fic? My fic for this week is Anamnesis by Senna Taffy. Uh, it's a fic for Supernatural. It's sort of a end of season 15 fix it slash end of season 15 retcon fic uh it is dean cast but it really has like the whole ensemble there as well nick what's yours my fic for this episode is now you have to let me go four dreams in a row by ao3 user not spring it is a fic for the k-pop group 17 and is is there a pairing um if you take the 95 line of 17 and you like put them in a blender but not in a nice way that's this fic is that a good sell we'll talk about it later (laughs) so in the past we've done a thing sometimes where we will use the ao3 posting form uh to sort of do a fic roulette of creating a random fic between us just for fun um today uh, fic click host Nicole came across a fic challenge uh, for the fandom NCT that had this concept of a reverse tropes bingo square. Um, it's really funny and we were all really enjoying the tropes that they outlined. Uh, you can find this challenge at NCT challenge on Twitter if you want to check it out for yourself. Uh, but we decided it might be fun to use some of these reverse tropes that they outlined to create little fic concepts. Because we are really good at planning, uh, we decided while recording um, that the best way to do this was to tweet from the FitClick account and ask you all for fandoms <laughs> that we could then use to combine with this um, reverse bingo trope. So we opened that for like five minutes. Thank you for um, showing up so quickly. The people who responded, we appreciate you. So much. So we figured the way we do this is I will use a random number generator to pick a fandom that you recommended to us and a square from the bingo trope, and we're going to do our best to create something of it. Maybe there will be some crossovers or, like, multiple squares checked off. I don't know. Uh, We're going to see how this goes. Okay, so our first fandom is Merlin. Brenna, this one's for you. Okie doke. And our reverse trope is the first one, Childhood Lovers to Friends. That one I feel like you could do. That's nice. Yeah, I think, okay, if we're going canon, it'd be hard to do it for our main pairing because they like don't know each other as kids. But it could be really easy to do for like a different pairing in the show. Like, um, I've completely blanked on this character's name now. Morgana. Lance a lot. <laughs> no, like, like, um. Guinevere. Well, yeah, I was. Gawain. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. We could do, like. Okay, you could maybe do, like, Morgana and Gwen, because, like, they, even though Gwen's her servant, like, they grew up together more. Um, So you could do, well, like, what childhood lovers, I feel like, is a, <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? I don't That's know. That's a strange way to put um, it. Maybe it's, like, maybe they did that thing kids do where, like, they're, like, we're getting married and have, like, Aww. like a kindergarten marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, make little rings out of little twist ties. That's um, cute. But, you oh, know, like then grow up crown. to, like... 
yeah, just be besties later on. That'd be a really cute fic. I yeah, I like that actually. Wow. Starting That's off actually not like, that cursed. Yes, you say way less cursed than I was expecting. Well, <laughs> good job, Brenna. Great, thank you. Okay, for our next fandom, we have Directioners. I'm gonna actually just say One Direction. Yeah. Um, because I don't really know what to do of the. Our fandom. ask was a bit vague. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well. Uh, and for our reverse trope, I rolled major character birth. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. okay. Just RPF of their parents. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, Brenna's making up for not being cursed enough with the last one that she went full, oh just abysmal. I, I feel like that's that's the clearest answer. I was going to say it follows the, the POV character in this fic is a puppy who is born and then becomes the dog of one of the One Direction members and just has a nice life. Is the dog the major character? Yeah, that's the only way I could make it work. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, um, I was thinking like an AU where like, okay, I'm literally just basing this off my own life where I got to high school and then realized that a girl, um, who has the same birthday as me, we were born in the same hospital. So I was thinking something like that, like the major character birth is that they discover there's some connection there. Yeah. What about androids? Oh, yeah. Not only doing a reverse trope, but sort of subverting it with birth into an android. Okay. (laughs) Can you subvert major character? Well, we just did. Yes. <laughs> Ficklick wow, is terrible. constantly um, breaking Re- new ground. Do the next one. Do the next one. Okay. 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 <laughs> next fandom is Hockey RPF and the Unchosen One, which that ooh. actually works. <laughs> That's okay, actually hold really on. good. That's actually. Oh, there are so many ways I could go oh, with no, this. No, it's just about Nail Yakupov. No! Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no! I was actually okay. sorry to the non-hockey people out there <laughs> who have no idea what I just said. Sorry to even for the hockey people who have no idea, which once again confirms why that would be an excellent fact. But yeah, I was thinking because it's me. Um, wow, I just realized I am literally wearing an avalanche sweatshirt right now, so that's a lot uh-huh. to contend with. Um, I was thinking about making it a, a sadder version of Nathan McKinnon's sort of history because there are all these articles about how like he grew up in like the same hometown as Sidney Crosby and he was always compared to him and it was either like oh like this kid is either going to be like the next Sidney Crosby or he's going to be a complete bust and Nate was like mm, that was a lot of pressure to have as like a young child and I'm just thinking about sort of a very bleak version of his life where everyone like he goes like first in the draft and everyone like thinks he has a lot of potential and then all the pressure is too much and he just sort of like puts up like a mediocre showing and like it just, yeah, becomes the unchosen one. Although, I guess, to be fair, as you said with Nail, you could do that with, like, kind of a lot of first picks or, like, first yeah. round yeah. draft you picks. Yeah, his trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I feel like there's actually a lot you could do with hockey and the unchosen one. This oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Easily. That's really potent, That's actually. a cursed fic waiting to happen. Or it's, like, you pick, like, a, a team with, like, I don't know, like, a captain who plays, like, sort of second fiddle to, like, whoever the superstar player is. Mike like, Giordano. Yeah. Mark is Mark. Mark. His name is Mark. <laughs> I'm his biggest fan, though. <laughs> yeah, Mark Giordano, Sorry, was, the unchosen one. It's just my accent. Okay, shall we do another? Yeah. Sure. Th- this one's an exciting one. The uh-huh. next fandom is Twilight. Ooh. Yeah. And the trope for Twilight is <laughs> too many beds. 
<laughs> nice. Good. Um. Oh, I have something. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, so, like, you know how in Twilight, sort of the concept is that Carlisle, like, turned everyone else in his family and like mm-hmm. sort of created the family mm-hmm. what if like he just buys like a really big house and there's like too many bedrooms <laughs> and he's like oh shit we gotta fill up these bedrooms <laughs> so he just keeps turning people to, that's like, major character birth too oh my god <laughs> because there were like too many beds in his house and it was like lonely okay so. okay and yeah <laughs> and um accidental old person acquisition <laughs> he means to turn like because all of the people he turns are like ooh, like they're dying yes. tragically young and like listen i don't oh, know the logistics of how this happens but he like means to turn another person who like is too young and like has their whole life to live but accidentally gives like the vampire venom or whatever <laughs> to an old person and now they've accidentally acquired the vampire like venom. a 75 year old new vampire okay, wait, wait, wait maybe instead of it being accidental maybe it's like a celebrity he really likes or something and like <laughs> <laughs> like what if it's like Cher or something? Oh my god, Cher! <laughs> She's Cher. older than she looks. <laughs> she <Yeah>. looks great. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that she's old. It was that Carlisle would love Cher enough I to be like, now you can make music forever, Cher. The I think of the Carlisle is the number one Cher, Cher stand. So Cher oh Cullen like really has a ring to it. Yeah, it does mean. actually. Oh my god. Do you think when she's in Mamma Mia 2, is this before or after Carlisle turned her? <laughs> I th- I think it's before. Okay. And then maybe something really unfortunate happens to share after that. Oh my um, God. Which, like, I don't want to oh, wish into the world because, like, I, like, please. But for this, <laughs> something has to happen to share. Right. Um, and then there's, like, a news story about it, and Carlisle gets really worried because he really mm-hmm. loved Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> for our Twilight slash musician RPF crossover. <laughs> So he like flies down to LA <laughs> to be like, share, oh I can help you live forever. Share, <laughs> I can show you life after love. <laughs> just, just some share jokes. <laughs> and then Cher becomes like the matriarch of the Cullen family. Oh wow, ripped as me. Do you think this could also be um and they weren't roommates because there's too many beds, so none of them can yeah, share yeah, rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, they're not allowed to be roommates because uh-uh. Carlisle bought too big a house. <laughs> I feel yeah, like we if we're bringing that. in all these other tropes, we should probably bring in another fandom. So, oh, okay. um, since we're already on um, <laughs> Musician RPF, I think this is a good entry for Lady Gaga's Little Monsters. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lady Gaga can, can get on in there, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we think do we think Cher and Lady Gaga are friends? Like in real life? Yeah. I don't know. I am not. <laughs> Probably not. Person. But like maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. Let me um share Lady Gaga friendship. Share <laughs> calls Lady Gaga, but why? That's an article. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, they definitely oh, it's about turning <laughs> know them into a vampire, so oh, solved. It was in twenty fifteen. Okay. Wow, there's an article called An Investigation into Cher's Call to Lady Gaga. At approximately 1.12pm EST, history was made. International pop legend Cher called fellow music superstar Lady Gaga, and the world was never the same. Oh my god. I don't think we're going to get any better than that. Should we maybe just leave that? No, that was too good. Although, I do want to just, in the spirit of it, I want to just read off the other bingo tropes and other fandoms that were erected to us. So the reverse tropes bingo square um, includes... 
accidental divorce, size similarity kink, mutual resentment, unrequited rivalry, fake enemies, five minus one, lovers to enemies, abstinence pollen, government assigned nemesis slash soulmate, sorry, soul hate, and um, last kisses or other last times, um, all of which are incredibly good. And the other fandoms that got wrecked to us, sorry, again, it was a random number generator. Apologies if we didn't get to yours. Um, we had Les Mis, we had Naruto, Teen Wolf. So. Mm-hmm. And as ever, if you listen to this and you were struck by inspiration, these prompts are free to use. Yes. Uh, they're not under the FitClick IP. So if <laughs> no, but it'd be like nice to... if you like gave us a shout out if you write it, just so we could like oh, you yeah. know share some love. Our I assume that they will. Everyone who listens to this podcast is very nice and supportive of us. So. Didn't That's we also get very Avatar true. as a recommended fandom? Oh, did we? Yeah, I think so. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Because yeah, yeah Avatar: The Last. Sorry, Airbender. you said that in the movie came into um, my brain, and I was like, we what? I was really looking forward to trying to do like a Twilight Avatar crossover, um, or maybe like where like the accidental old person acquisition is Uncle Iroh for any fandom. Actually, every fandom gets <laughs> gets Uncle Iroh. Accidental old person acquisition in Avatar is literally just the Order of the White Lotus. Yeah, like all oh, old yeah. people know each other. Quote from the show. Totally. So those are some unexpected trope and fandom combinations. I feel like Reed's Vic also sets us up for a somewhat unexpected fandom and trope combination. Reed, do you want to tell us about it? I sure do. Thanks, Bren. So as I said in the intro, my fic this episode is Felicitous by Among Lilies. It is for the video game Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, Pause here for maybe a revamped Reed's Video Game Corner jingle? Reed's Video Game Corner. I don't know. We'll see what we get. Anyway, yes, we're back in Reed's Video Game Corner, except this is only very loosely video game related because it is a Western AU. Um, as with the other Fire Emblem fic that I brought to the pod, this is for Felix and Sylvain. As I just mentioned, you really don't have to know anything about the video game. Like, the Space AU fic, you, you did. You had to have some context. This, like, I think you can just read this as OCs. There's, like, very little reference to canon. So if you're not familiar with it, don't worry about it. Before I get into the discussion of this fic and why I really liked it, I'm just gonna give some content warnings. So, canon typical violence, um... They are bounty hunters in the, the Wild West. So, like, gun violence and injuries and people dying, that is all present in this fic. Um, I don't think anything is super graphic, but it is there. The other thing I wanted to mention is um, because they are bounty hunters, like, they are tracking people. And um, sometimes, in my opinion, I think the language around the people they were tracking bordered a little bit on, like, dehumanizing. Um It's pretty light, but I just wanted to mention it if that is something that you wanted to look out for. I had so much fun when I was reading this fic. Um, It's funny because I've read a decent amount of fic for not just this pairing, but this fandom in general. And a lot of what I've read is canon compliant, but um, the canon is pretty dense. And so for fic click, for my hosts, I thought maybe it's easier to bring them an AU, although the last AU I brought was also wildly dense. So maybe not. Um, but, you know, Brent is a big fan of cowboys, so I saw a Western IU and I went, maybe this is a thing that would be fun. And it was. Um, I really, really enjoyed this pairing in general, and I really liked the way that they were here. I thought the characterizations were really fun. 
different than they were in the other fic that I brought to the pod, but in my opinion, still felt very, like, true to how I know them in canon. I think the choice to put them in a Western AU was really fun and different. Like, it is not an AU I really would have thought of for this fandom, but I had a lot of fun with it. I think one of the things I like the most about this pairing is it's very, like, Felix doesn't like to show his feelings, and Sylvain is always like, but I'll follow you anywhere, and, like, very true in this fic, they are literally, like, riding all around the country. Presumably America, it doesn't really specify, but, like, that's the vibe. Um, and it goes in some directions I wasn't expecting, especially at the end, in a way that I found really fun and delightful, and there were just moments between the two of them that had me rattling the bars of my cage. Which cage? The cage of emotion. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. What a face journey that was. Sometimes um, I speak without knowing where the sentence is going to go. And it only turns out well for me like 80% of the time, but that's okay. That's um, a high percentage. That's pretty high, actually. Like, how my like 80% of the time uh, in what I edit for Fit Click. I still let 20% of the slip ups through. <laughs> Um, anyway, yes, I had a lot of things that I really liked about this fic, um, but before I get really into them, I want to hear what my co-hosts thought. And also, I'm briefly going to take off my headphones, because I need to take my sweatshirt off, it's too hot. Okay. Okay. Oh, I have a question for Reed, though. I can maybe answer. Oh, okay. It's about Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, I got it. Okay, okay. Are they, are they, like, not at all in space in the canon? I think they're in, like, a fantasy world. But, like, is there space? I don't know. I thought they were like castles and shit. Wait, yeah, sorry, but like castles in space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally nothing about Fire Emblem oh. is like, it's like very medieval. That mediest yeah, fake is my thing. canon. Like fantasy of... and castles. It's and really, Fire yeah. Emblem. And like they go to like weird little schools or something. Yeah, in oh, this one they do. Okay. In this one, like you Thank train you. them at the Officers Academy and then like you fall into a ravine for five years and when you wake up, the totally. whole country is in yeah, war. Yeah. That classic, you fall into a ravine <laughs> oh for five years. <laughs> I love that trope. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the reverse trope where you climb out of the ravine. <laughs> and it takes you five years. Yeah, it takes you five years. Everyone's like, how are you this week? Anyway, um, okay. So, Ficklets, uh, in case you didn't know, Fire Emblem Three Houses canon is not in space. However, <laughs> I had been misled about this maliciously by Reed. I literally, <laughs> when I brought the space AU, I was like, this is an AU. Here is all of the canon. Yeah. It's not related to this fic. At, like, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So just the context, because I, when I was reading this fic for the first, like, half of it, I thought that they were, like, space cowboys that, like, <laughs> they had traveled via, like, spaceship to get to the Wild West. And so that's why they were far away from their families. I don't, it doesn't make sense. I, I got halfway through and I was like, they're probably not in space. I mean, in your defense, using spaceships to travel to the Wild West is, like, one step off of, like, Star Wars. So. Yeah, well, I, you know I love Star uh, yeah, Wars. Yeah, I like space western stuff, so I'd be down for it if that was the case. It's but. not yeah. a space western. It's not. <laughs> Only as in space as any of us are, am I right? I'm really in space. All right. Do you say I'm really or I'm rarely? I'm really. I'm oh. really up there. Oh, okay. Hi, Brenna, you're so far away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've just got like a great signal quality from <laughs> my, <laughs> from the International Space Station. Oh, right oh my god, now. you're on the ISS. That's so cool. Yeah, I know, hey. right? <laughs> Living uh, my dream. <laughs> well, aside from that, I liked this fic. Uh, <laughs> As Reed said, I always love a good devotionism, and we really saw that in this fic. Um, the I'd follow you to the ends of the earth, even if it's not space, even just earth, like, still passionate and dramatic. 
Um, I think the author definitely had fun with the setting. Like you could tell that they enjoyed giving them horses and stuff. Um, and I agree. We'll talk about the ending, I'm sure. But I really was surprised and like happy about the way that it went for the last third or so of the fic. I was not expecting it to do what it did. And I thought that it was like very enjoyable and like, I don't know, just like a good like fan fiction reading experience, you know, like you probably wouldn't get that in like a novella or something. Um, but in the fic, no one could stop the author. And I actually really love that because I would not have wanted to stop them. So yeah, overall fun read. Yeah, definitely agreed. I think this fic is very fic in like a very enjoyable way. I know oftentimes we bring things that are like fic, but is it fic or like fic, but it really pushes the boundaries of like feeling like fic. Um, This one was very just like fic, (laughs) (laughs) but in a great way. I just mean like it was it was tropey and enjoyable. And like my co-host said, like it did a lot of things that I think you wouldn't necessarily find in like published fiction, but are exactly the reasons why I read a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> um, yeah, the Western setting was fun. As Reed mentioned, I do love cowboys, so I'm never going to say no when someone says, hey, do you want this Western AU? Generally, the answer is yes, I do want it. <laughs> um Yeah, so that was really enjoyable. Um, I really liked how the relationship between the characters developed. Um, I think, again, you really didn't need to know a lot about them outside of this fic. Uh, Obviously, like us having read that other Fire Emblems Three Houses fic with the same pairing did sort of contribute to my knowledge and understanding of them as characters and as a pairing. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know anything about them as canon characters, and I didn't feel like I needed to. yeah, I think the way that the relationship developed between them was really compelling and definitely like my favorite part of the fic. Um, I was, yeah, definitely got those like stomach butterflies a couple times, which is like exactly what I want from like a fic that's trying to be romantic. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to like get a little bit more into it. But yeah, overall, I found it very fun and just kind of like a nice change of pace from the stuff I'd been reading recently. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of which was like a lot harsher or more mm. depressing. <laughs> There's no, gonna be none of that in the plot um, in this episode. No, not, not at all. For the next 20 minutes. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, and I think also just like I haven't been reading a lot of fic outside of reading for Fic Click in the last month or so. Um, so this was like a nice fic to kind of get back into the groove a little bit. Um, especially because like we messed with our schedule and hadn't really recorded in a while, so that extra contributed to me not reading anything for a while so um yeah it just like it it made me want to read more fic after finishing it too which is always a sensation that I enjoy yeah so to go into a little bit more um context for the fic um as I mentioned they are bounty hunters um you get sort of through Sylvain's thinking about the past that the two of them grew up from pretty wealthy families um Felix was sent to an officer's academy which is like a small nod to canon. Um, and the two of them were basically, like, not performing the, like, noble duties expected of them. So their parents, like, sent them out to the West to, like, develop businesses. And they were like, what if instead we ran away and became bounty hunters and had a lot of um, tender, repressed gay feelings for each other? <laughs> um, so that's what they do. The first, like, yeah, two-thirds of this fic is them tracking different bounties and sort of encountering different types of people um, having a kind of harsh life, but also, um, I mean, it's from Sylvain's point of view and his, like, whole mantra pretty much is, like, he would follow Felix anywhere and do anything for Felix, including living, like, a kind of rough life. Yeah, as Brenna said, I think, like, 
for me, the heart of this fic is like their developing relationship. And what you get is like pretty early on, like Sylvain admitting even to himself, like, oh, he's been in love with Felix forever. Like, this is why he'll follow him anywhere and put up with all of Felix's prickliness and whatnot. Um, and then you find out that like, with all the like adrenaline of this like really dangerous life that they live, like they hook up, not infrequently, but it's kind of framed as just like, well, we've just got all this adrenaline and it's got to go somewhere. And like, men have things they want to do and this like totally doesn't mean anything. And they know what is like, quote unquote, like expected of them or respectable. Um, and I don't have a way of saying this. I think that sounds like good, but it's like flavors of like internalized homophobia. And I'm like, yes, give me more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, even though the space AU and this fic are quite different in a lot of ways, like one of the things that made me absolutely lose my mind in regards to the pairing for both of them is sort of like the intersection between their feelings for one another and like religious imagery or like wording, so to speak. Um, like there's a refrain in the space fic that is um, like he tells a creation story and I have a whole lot of feelings about that. You can listen to the episode. I'm out of my gourd if you want to know more about this fic that we keep referencing. Um, but for this one, like they hook up after um like a pretty close call uh between the two of them like felix gets kidnapped and sylvain is pretty heavily injured and as they're hooking up uh sylvain thinks they had all this sin between them but it always felt holy and my note says me standing on top of a mountain yelling they had all of this sin between them but it always felt holy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i think they're coming together was so good in part because it was like from sylvain's pov at least like the balance between this is like quote unquote wrong or this is not what is expected of me versus like I don't care because my whole life is like orbiting around Felix. Um yeah, I think too for me it was interesting. This is the second Fire Emblem Three Houses fic I've ever read, maybe unsurprisingly. Um and I always really love when we get to bring like multiple fics for a fandom that I'm not in. It doesn't happen that much, but it does happen sometimes. Um and I really enjoy the experience of getting a fuller shape of canon characterization based on like the it's almost like a kaleidoscope like you get to collect different angles of them and try and figure out what it triangulates to in the middle um so i just really enjoyed seeing like the qualities that i think make sylvain sylvain and felix felix between these two fix and the things that they have in common um sylvain very much still is the like womanizer he deflects with humor his thoughts um, do have a similar cant at times of like, oh, like, you know what, if I can, if this is what I can have, I'm going to take it. And like, that's fine. Um, and then you have Felix, who's a lot more kind of serious and less inclined to dramatics, you could say. Um, I don't know. It's just fun to see the ways that they fit together. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing that in this fic. I feel like the author did a good job of developing the relationship as we've said but also like showing you as the reader regardless of your canon understanding why the two of them like make sense together and are fun and interesting to read about so i always appreciate that as someone who um by nature of the pod is often reading outside of fandoms that i know i think what you just said about like the aspect of like taking or like making the most out of what you've got kind of um definitely is like a character aspect in this but I think it's also something I really like about this fic in general and like something that I like about kind of like westerns in like western AU fics in general like not westerns it's like a movie genre that's a different (laughs) thing Um, but like 
I think there's a lot of this feeling of like, okay, well, we don't have a lot because of this lifestyle that we're living, whether that's by choice, like in this fic or like by necessity sometimes. Um, but they're generally like a very like, they're on the move all the time. They don't necessarily have a home base, like everything that they've kind of got is with them at all times. And I think that sort of sometimes leads to the story focusing a lot on the like interpersonal dynamics and relationships and those being the things that someone wants to make the most out of. Um, I think I definitely saw that in this, especially with Sylvain and like his relationship with Felix um, that I found really compelling. And I think it's also like definitely plays into the end, which we keep mentioning. So I think I'm just going to bring it up now. Yeah, go for it. Let's go. But like, Okay, so they're they're off being bounty hunters. Like, again, they don't really have, like, a home. They're very, like, transient, sort of just, like, always on the move, always just, like, with whatever they've got in their, like, packs on their horses, that kind of thing. And Sylvain is sort of, like, daydreaming about a more domestic life, but kind of keeps getting shut down. Um, and then at the end, you find out that, like, they've built this whole homestead and are living this, like, very domestic, lovely life together. And I think that's all y'all were talking about is, like, not necessarily seeing that as, like, the choice that we expected the fic to make, but all really enjoying that it was the choice that the fic made. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, like, this example of, like, okay, I kind of often expect Western AUs to, like, not, I don't want to say not have a happy ending, mm. but just, like, the characters rarely get everything that they want. I think mm -hmm. that that's sort of, like, a hallmark of, like, stories set in, like, the sort of American Wild West kind of uh, <laughs> location <laughs> time period. Like, and, like, Westerns as movies, too, because so many of them are, like, about sort of, like, you've made these choices kind of like you're gonna pay for them essentially but like I think especially with characters like Felix and Sylvain where like they've kind of done a lot of these shady things in life and like made some choices that like I certainly thought was gonna catch up to them like it's interesting to watch them actually be able to like build this life and like create something more than what they had um and yeah it was a really satisfying ending I thought but it was also definitely like not necessarily what I expected to happen to the characters um and yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see Sylvain, this character who like is kind of always reaching for more, actually be able to achieve some of that more that like he wanted. Yeah, this fic really made me realize that there is a trope that I really love that I didn't realize was a trope. Um, but it's when two people who by their circumstances or their situation or their lives or their status or whatever um, are basically or at least seem to be unable to live a normal life, like a normal, peaceful little life. In this case, it's because they're bounty hunters. Uh, in other cases, it might be because they're celebrities or they're royalty or they're like assassins or something like a life that you can't just like get out of easily. Um, and that has obstacles to normalcy, uh, which is so interesting with the way that like there also is this romanticization of divesting from normalcy in life. Anyway, um, I just I every time in a story like that where the main pairing or like relationship or whatever talks to each other about like wow this is the life that I would have if I could have like whatever I wanted and it's like a little apartment with like a dog and like that's the most luxurious thing they can think of when they could like buy a yacht or you know they're bounty hunters and they just want to have a little farm like it just really <laughs> it just really gets me I don't know why like usually it pierces my heart in this case it made me feel very happy because then they like do it so I was like okay that's fine then um but it always affects me so much I don't know what it is about it that just makes me feel so emotional of like what they want is so simple and the fact that it's simple is what makes it what they want I just really love that I think 
part of what made the ending like so strong for me too yes totally the unexpectedness um but I'll say like on a reread I think knowing that it was coming actually also made it hit so hard Mm. um because there's all these like little bits right of Sylvain being like oh I want this I want this and then um so as I mentioned earlier there's a bit where Felix gets kidnapped he's like pretty badly injured and Sylvain gets really injured um rescuing him and is like unconscious for like two days and it's after this point where Felix is like okay we can do it like we can just like have a house and whatever um and in the scene where Felix is basically telling Sylvain, like, yes, I'll give you this thing that you kept asking for, this, like, life you want to live, Sylvain is like, oh, yeah, like, you want to be stuck with a good-for-nothing like me. Um, and Felix is like, you're a good-for-nothing, you're a lousy shot, like, blah, 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 but I don't care, like, I just don't want to be without you. Um, and I, <laughs> I was, like, giving up a life of adrenaline to be a house husband for your good-for-nothing partner is something that can be so personal, actually. <laughs> um, but something that really got me is you know, they're looking at each other, they're having this, like, very intimate moment, they're sort of the, um, implicit love confession, like, Sylvain is like, we'll get some animals, more horses, and Felix is like, we don't know how to raise animals, and it's this very, like, tender moment, and I was like, oh, it's like a love confession without actually love confession, like, blah, 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 um, and then at the, like, end of the fic, Felix says, I love you, and, like, didn't mean to, and Sylvain is like, say it again, like, say it again, and Felix is all like, no, and I went back and I looked at the years, it had been two years since they said that they were going to, like, build a house together. I don't know, actually, like, from that scene to, like, when the house was built and they living, like, maybe it wasn't two full years, but, like, two years of having a home together, like, a whole-ass life, and, like... Not even halfway out of the ravine at that point. Not even halfway <laughs> yeah. out of the ravine. Still fully stuck in that ravine. <laughs> um, I was like, you've been living together for two years. You have a home together, this whole thing, and, like, that's when you get the I love you. Also, also that apparently, like, their cover story to the town nearby is that Felix is, like, a wealthy ranch owner and Sylvain just yes. really loves his horses. <laughs> so he lives in the stable and that's why the two of them are, like, unmarried but living together. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Hot new euphemism for you and your partner. <laughs> <laughs> just really love his horses. <sighs> but yeah, doing a reread of the fic and, like, knowing that they get that ending and then having the realization that it still takes, like, two years to get the actual I love you oh boy oh there's a lot yeah honestly one fun thing about this pod is i feel like every every fic at least one of us has read twice right because we read it and then we we read it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so like we get the reread perspective too i don't know i think that's fun yeah 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 i think i will say like as much as i really enjoyed the ending of this fic for both the reasons i already outlined and like my co-hosts outlined i think i wished it had gone a little bit harder on some of the sort of like repercussions of their previous behaviors like it sets them up with this very like kind of morally gray job of being a bounty hunter but you never see that like come back to haunt them (laughs) in a way that I kind of expected that it would um I think like usually when I read a story about a person who has like a past doing a job kind of like that or doing any sort of job that I don't know involves kind of doing kind of like harsh things to other humans like it often either comes back to haunt them in like a very literal like way where someone from their past comes back to find them or just like an emotional state where it sort of has stuck with them so I think I was a little bit surprised that like it didn't go harder on that aspect like there are flavors throughout of like them understanding that like you know there's lines with what their job is like there is a scene where they sort of encounter someone who they realize like isn't guilty of like the crime that they were charged with and stuff but yeah I think personally I would have like loved just a little bit more of like an emotional 
punch at the end somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't know. I kept kind of waiting for that to happen, like something to go wrong with like at their homestead or like something to come back to them or like them to have some emotional hang up about what they'd done previously. And I mean, congrats to Sylvain and Felix for like not having that. <laughs> like... <laughs> thrilled for you boys like I just didn't expect it at all (laughs) but maybe that's also just from watching so many like western movies growing up where it's like no one gets to have like a happy ending like it's always gonna come back to haunt them um and there's always gonna be like some big shootout that they don't get out of or something like that you know like even when something ends happily at the end of the movie you always kind of have a feeling that like it's not gonna last uh so I think I was just sort of anticipating about a little bit so I mean I guess nice subversion that it didn't happen (laughs) and like definitely happy for Felix and Sylvain that they just get to live out their like domestic ranch life but yeah I think personally like I don't know not to be someone who's like make them feel guilt (laughs) make them miserable (laughs) I mean it's a little it's like different but it's a little bit similar to what I was saying and like I kind of wish there was more of the internalized homophobia too because when you really dig into it it can be like such an emotional gut punch for both the characters and for the reader and then feel like really satisfying when it gets resolved. I did want to touch a little bit on the scene that Brenna just mentioned um, about uh, the two of them encountering a bounty that like wasn't actually guilty. So yeah, they show up at this like house basically to apprehend this guy and he is like, hold on, like I I did kill someone, but it's like not really what you're thinking. There's a woman and a child in the house. And then you get a scene with Sylvain talking to the woman, Louisa, who says that her husband had died like a year previous and a deputy in town had been really harassing her. And so this guy, Jack, had killed the deputy basically to get him to stop harassing Louisa. A little bit unclear if he like meant to or not. Like maybe he just meant to sort of like threaten the guy and then it went too far. Either way, they then had to go on the run and wound up at this different homestead. And... There's just this bit where Sylvain is watching Felix teach, like, the little child how to shoot a gun. And Louisa is talking about, like, oh, like, I think Jack still thinks I'm mourning my husband. But I would have thought he would have gotten the picture about, like, how I felt about him, given that I followed him all the way here. And she's sort of, like, talking about her domestic life. And Sylvain is, like, looking at Felix with his child. And he, like, looks back at Sylvain and he's smiling. And I was, like, rattle, rattle, rattle at my emotional cage. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then with what you were saying about how long it takes to get the love confession Mm -hmm. later and, like, the sort of mirror there, it's good. That was one of those scenes that, like, I I liked the first time I was reading the fic, but it was, like, even better for me Mm -hmm. on the read because I was like, and you do get your domestic ending. (laughs) Right. Well, I think maybe, maybe the reason that they don't really feel guilt, I'm just putting some dots together here, um, is because, so, in this scene... Jack is like, didn't I'm not a bad guy. And immediately they believe him. They're like, ah, the guilty ones, like they never try and bargain their way out of it. And I was like, wow, you guys are hunting some like pretty garbage bounties then. <laughs> if someone came to me and was like, I'm a bounty hunter, I'm taking you down, I'd be like, I didn't do it. <laughs> so maybe it that's why. Me. Yeah, I'm maybe innocent. that's why. <laughs> They're just like, dang, these people suck. <laughs> just my thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that is a good point, actually. <laughs> I hadn't taken that into consideration. Yeah. Something I, I very quickly wanted to mention is that, um, as I said, there aren't a ton of references to canon in this fic, um, but the one that really stood out to me and that I think is um, kind of like the, the pinnacle of Felix Sylvain is um, a bit where Sylvain goes, Felix, do you remember the promise we made when we were kids? 
And in canon, they basically made a promise uh, that they would die on the same day together um, because they just, they couldn't. That's chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, when I. Dine on the same day with your bros. Well, okay. So when we did the space AU, I talked about how um, in the game, you can basically like build up supports with characters. And if you build up the highest support level with Felix and Sylvain, you get two different options. I only talked about one of the options, and then I think Claire in the server yelled at me for not talking about the other one. So I'm going to mention <laughs> both now, because they're both devastating in their own ways. Um, so if you build up their support all the way in their sort of original story, like if you don't take them out of, if you play like their route that they're meant to be in, and you do it well, um, what you get for them at the ending is that like, they are good friends. It talks about their, ooh, they're really good friendship. Wow, look at those friends. Um, and then it said, uh, it is said in their later years, they became so close that they passed away on the same day as if conceding that one could not live without the other. Great. Feel really fine about it. Um, the other one that is, uh, equally awful, but in like an opposite way is, um, even after the war's end, skirmishes continued to break out across Fodlin. Learning that there were still places where he could fight, Felix abandoned his noble title and chose to make a living with his sword. Decades later, he reunited briefly with Sylvain, who had need of his services as Margrave Gautier. Felix departed as soon as the job was finished, however, and the two never met again. Years later, a sword that was thought to have belonged to Felix arrived on Sylvain's doorstep. So basically, like, even if you build up their support all of the way, if you take them out of the story they're meant to be in, they speak to each other once, and then the implication is Felix just fucking dies and has his sword delivered to Sylvain's doorstep. Like, what the fuck? Maybe he's on his way. You know how, like, when you move, sometimes you send stuff ahead (laughs) because you don't have enough room in your, like, suitcase? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's definitely, I think, the implication. With the first one, is there some joke in there about, like, two bros dying on the same day (laughs) five feet apart because they're not gay? Uh, there could be there could be this feels like the you know the like um i don't know the picture that went around it's like the two skeletons that were buried in the same grave like holding each other's face and like the caption was like two friends buried together and people were like "Uh uh-huh two (laughs) two friends yeah buddies buddies two bros Mm -hmm. that's what felix and sylvain are just two good bros i think they call them each other partners in the sea all right, yeah. well, that's about all I can say on that, I think. Um, yes, uh, a wonderful AU, a wonderful fic. As my co-host said, if you're in the mood for just, like, a tropey, good-feeling fic, this one does the job very well. Um, yeah, highly recommend. So my fic for this week is called Anamnesis by Cenotaphy. Uh, it's a fic for the hit CW show Supernatural. Um, it is sort of a fix-it fic for the end of season 15. It also is sort of like a finale retcon fic. Like it just really tosses sort of like 520 in the dumpster and says, let's ignore you. Um, so... <laughs> Yep, fifteen twenty. It's <laughs> like five twenty. Is you. that not swan song? That's a perfect no, episode of television. What's your problem? We absolutely <laughs> need five twenty in the timeline. I'm so sorry, like what's everyone. Wrong? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not five twenty. Thank you. Um, yes, it throws fifteen twenty, which is just too too big a number. Fifteen um, in the garbage and says let's rewrite this shit um (laughs) (laughs) it is a cast dean fic uh particularly in the fourth 
chapter. Um, but the previous chapters are a lot more like ensemble based. Um, and actually, like a lot of the first couple are very like Dean and Sam as brothers based. Um, it puts them in a time loop, essentially, um, and kind of rewrites the ending from there. It, I think it has a really interesting premise, and I love the plot aspects of it. Um, it was also fun to see, like, the ways that it pulled things from earlier in the seasons, and it really, like, is a fic that kind of takes canon and just treats it as its playground in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, I read a lot of, like, post-series fic towards the end of the show, as did everyone else who was having sort of a supernatural renaissance. Um, and this was one that I really enjoyed how it handled sort of its version of fixing things. Um, I will also mention I had to look up the word that is the title of this, and the definition of it is the remembering of things from a supposed previous existence, uh, which is very like great title. Yes, for this yeah, <laughs> very fitting. <laughs> which is very central to what happens here. Um, yeah, so I guess to get into it just a little bit more, and then ask my co-hosts what they thought. Oh. I should also mention that in terms of content warnings, um, it's pretty much like canon typical supernatural things. I wouldn't say there's anything that happens in this that like would be outside of canon, but there is a lot of just like monster hunting and guns and people dying. Um, and sometimes those people come back and sometimes they don't. So <laughs> what? Vampires. Yeah. Content warning. Well, only, it's like only a mention of If vampires. we have to content warn for vampires, I'm going to have to tack on a content warning to our intro because there's a lot of vampires in that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, Shoot. I don't think we have to content warn specifically okay, for okay. vampires here. Um, but yeah, so if you are familiar with what happens in Supernatural and kind of like the tone of that show and what's deemed acceptable, uh, then you should be fine with this fic. I don't think there's anything that really stuck out to me as like, whoa. Um, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Whoa, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so like as I mentioned, they're kind of stuck in this time loop. Basically, uh, they like keep getting in the Impala and they're like driving to this job, and then it's like a couple days to the job in Washington where like they're gonna fight these vampires, and then one of them will have a realization that it's like not the right world that they're in, but then it just kind of resets. Um so this goes on for a while. Spoilers. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot. Sorry, I'm spoiling the fic. That's what we do here. This yeah. is not a spoiler-free podcast. It would be very <laughs> difficult to do this. Yeah. Well, people do, like, spoiler-free book reviews. I'm like, no, just oh, get true. into it. I want to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, no, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this as your first episode and you thought it was. <laughs> we spoil a lot now. of canon material and the fics that we discuss. So, yeah, um, yeah if you want to go into this fic without knowing how it it's too Turns late. out, um, it's not quite too late. Just pause now, <laughs> go read it, come back. <laughs> um, but yeah, it basically turns out, spoilers, um, that it's all Chuck's doing to like create this time loop and to try and make them think that like they're in this happy ending um, and they keep trying to break it and it really messes with their brains and it's fun. For me as a reader, probably not for Dean and Sam in the fic. No. Definitely not <laughs> Definitely for Dean and not. Sam. <laughs> they're like, I'm loving this. What We're a great vacation. evidence that they're not enjoying it. <laughs> All right. But before we get further into it, I am curious as to what my co-hosts thought. Yes. Um, luckily for me, I was not spoiled as to the premise of this fic going in. And so sort of discovering that it was a time loop. <laughs> Flexing on the listeners. <laughs> well, like... <laughs> 
I mean, in comparison to, we'll get into it for your discussion, but I knew your fic mm, pretty well getting into yes. your fic. This one, I didn't know anything about. Um, I did actually reach out to friend of the pod, AJ, really quick before I started reading, because um, m- maybe you could be like me and you watched Supernatural in high school for, I don't know, maybe like six or seven seasons, forgot literally everything about the show, and then did not experience the Supernatural renaissance. And so you have to go to your friend and say things like, Chuck is God and he writes stories, I think, but who the hell is Jack? My, Michael possessing Adam? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Technically, I do think I actually watched that. I just, again, do not That's recall like season it. season five. Yeah, which I did watch. Anyway, um, I did not know anything about this fic going in, and so discovering the time loop was so satisfying. Like, the first time you get the repeat of Sam being like, how, like, how much longer? And Dean going like, oh, it's two days to Washington, and being like, <gasps> something is not right, um, was really good. I'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but... Um, We've now talked about a few different fics on the pod that deal with sort of unreality or like not being able to trust your memories. And I think this was the most insidious version of it. Like this one really felt like, not like scary as in I was scared while reading it, but like, you know, they hit a point where Sam is like, Dean, like, I don't know how far back this goes. Like, I don't know when my real memory even begins. Like if I even have a real memory at this point. And like, that is horrifying. Um... So yeah, I thought the plot of this was like really good and I was really sort of like intrigued to see like how are they going to break out of it and like what happens in that whole regard. I will say, um, and this is like not a criticism of the fic at all, but the Dean cast like element of this fic to me felt like it was written for people who are already there for the Dean cast, which again, not a criticism of the fic, super understandable. Like you're writing a fic assuming that people want to read that pairing. Um, but I think like, yes, as someone who, again, like doesn't really have a strong connection to Supernatural anymore and like didn't really experience it last year. Um, if I am like going into a fic for the two of them, I think I want to be like convinced, like I want to see their sort of like emotions developing. Um, and what we get in this fic is Dean is already fully like, oh my God, like how could I forget Cass each time? Like he means so much to me, like all of these things. And that does make sense, right? Cause you got Cass's love confession. Um, but yeah, I think for me, the Dean cast maybe didn't resonate as much as it would for readers who are like going in for that ship. Um, I was more invested in the plot um, and that was really like engaging to me. Um, yeah, again, like this is not like a criticism of the author. It's just like, I think this is a fic written like for people who want, like, or I think the Dean cast of this fic is written for people who like want to see it and not so much to like convince you of the ship. And like, that's not a bad thing. It just didn't resonate for me as much. Yeah, I feel like with this podcast, a lot of the time we're like guests at parties we weren't invited to. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was what that made me think of when you were talking, Reed. Um, As a diehard Dusty L shipper my whole life, Mm -hmm. um, I personally really enjoyed this fic. Um, I went so hard for them in high school, (laughs) y'all. Like, it's embarrassing to remember. It's fine. Anyway, um, I do, I was thinking about how a while back there was a trope sorter going around that people were posting of like, what's like your B tier, A tier, S tier tropes or whatever. And people seem surprised that time loop was in my very highest tier. It is one of my favorite tropes. I think it's so fun. I think that there are so many like interesting technical aspects to it that you can deconstruct when you're reading. Um, and authors approach it really differently. So I was really excited to read this and realize that that was the premise of it. Um, definitely agree that it was like, you're scared for them. Um, 
oh i don't know it gave me a feeling about freaking supernatural which is like, <laughs> just like two human guys going up against these like terrifying powerful entities and somehow still winning i was like okay yeah 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 tbt um i did not this time at least feel compelled to watch an old episode of supernatural though thank goodness so I that. <laughs> yeah that is good Ooh. Yeah, again, the the what is it, like the secret good version of Supernatural that lives in my head can continue yeah. to live on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, no appearances from Samandriel. Spoilers, but I did think <laughs> about him a lot in this fic because I could not remember who Adam was. As I kept picturing Samandriel in his little like you know his little like work outfit with the stripes. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. So that's what I was imagining. Yeah, yeah. We all know. Um, yes. I already blogged like sad gift sets of him, like with like the light coming out of his face. Okay, I should, like, I don't know, like, again, I watched, like, five or six seasons of the show. It's not like I wiped it from my brain because I was like, oh, a horrible fandom I need to forget in my past. I just, like... Supernatural-specific amnesia. I mean, like, kind of. But also, yeah. like... Maybe you're cursed. Maybe. I, I feel like the fandoms that I was into in high school are just sort of, like, murky water in my brain. Like, I remember so much less of Teen Wolf than I should, considering mm. how wildly into that I was. Marvel stuck with me, but that's because it stayed with me for longer than it should have, maybe. Anyway, Stony Till I Die, baby. Truthfully, I've forgotten a lot of Supernatural, too. I, like, kind of remembered a lot of it by, like, going, like, going on such, like, a reading binge towards the end of the show, and then also I did rewatch some episodes with Friends of the Pod, so that sort of helped. And some of the episodes we rewatched are relevant to this fic, like, they include some of the, like, Adam stuff and the, like michael stuff um so yeah i had a recent refresh on some of those uh because yeah like when i first picked up fic like for like the end of season 15 having not like engaged with supernatural in many years i was like who the hell is anyone (laughs) i had no clue who jack was like all of that yeah okay wait actually i do have to say in the um sort of rewatching supernatural episodes brenna and i did rewatch one episode of supernatural before the destiel Mm-hmm. thing of november had happened like we just remembered fun with brenna too well i was gonna say the episode that we watched was the time loop one where dean keeps dying <laughs> oh, yeah. and it was relevant because when when i first realized like in this fic that it was time loop my note went hold on i've got this clears throat <clears throat> heat of the moment <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's very good. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But also, I just enjoy that the only Supernatural episode I've watched in the past, like, many, like, decade is the time loop. Yeah. Mine was the hit season one episode, Faith. Yeah. Everyone's of course. favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gotta hold up. <laughs> no, it wasn't very good. <laughs> Much worse than I remembered. Yeah. The time loop episode was honestly still pretty fun overall. Um, I mean, dated, but, like, still pretty fun for a Supernatural yeah. episode. Um. Yeah, I will say to both of your points, or or mostly Reed's point about the Dean cast of it, like, yeah, I don't think this fic goes in with the intention to do the work to make you ship them. Um, Like, I think the other fic that I brought that had them as a pairing, like, does set out to do more of that work. Mm-hmm. Like, it, they're not together. They haven't confessed their feelings on either of their sides. Like, it needs to do that work to, like, get them together and, like, to convince us of why it works. Like, this fic comes from a very different point. And I also think, like, I was thinking about this in our pre-discussion and when you were saying it, like, because of the, like, canonical cast confession, it's really funny to think about a season 15 fix-it fic where they don't get together. Like, all of them are, 
with the intention to like get them together because everyone was so mad that like Cass said it and then it was just like ignored like it wasn't even like Dean didn't say it back and that was like the most upsetting thing I mean that was upsetting for a lot of people but I think the more upsetting thing was how it was just like well that's done (laughs) no one's gonna think about it or talk about it or have any emotional response to it like we're good Right. Well, it felt like after the finale aired, a bunch of fans came in with their transformative works, like yeah. torches, and like no one's coming in like dousing the flames. <laughs> like maybe they are just bros. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. No one's like, mm, let's retcon that too. Actually, like they right. were just friends. <laughs> That's not what the what the thick writers are doing. At least not in the Destiel space. I can't speak oh, right. for any of the other ships. I don't go there. Ooh, the Sastiel <laughs> shippers. Right. Sorry. The Sastiel shippers. Yeah. I mean, this fic in particular, or this fic writer, uh, makes it very clear that they will torch to the ground what the writer's room is doing. Not just, yes. like, in their notes where they, like... Their author's the, notes um, are so funny. Uh, say it with me, there is no 1520 in Bossing Say. <laughs> so fucking funny. But also, like, like, okay, so part of this time loop thing, right, is, like, the way that each time loop ends is that they kill Chuck. So, like, going off of 519, where they do, like... Well, they don't kill God. I guess they drain him of his powers. And literally Chuck in the fic is like, oh, what? You think Adam can, like, drain me of my powers? You think that was really going to work? And I was like, AO3 user Cenotaphy has beef with the writer's room and they are valid. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things I really liked about this fic, and this sort of goes to Nick's point of, like, how the time loop trope sets up authors to be able to take so many avenues out of it. Like, I think so often the avenue out is like that the characters have some emotional realization or are able to finally express something that they haven't expressed um or fix a some confession. like wrong... they fall in love or yeah like, oh i made this one mistake and hurt someone and i have to make it right right exactly and like honestly i just read one last night that was like exactly like that <laughs> i love it but like i think what was so fascinating about this one is like the 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 emotional realizations did power a certain breaking of the loop, but it would not get them out of it. Like, that was not the fix. Like, it did sort of generate, yeah, it sort of generated, like, power to sort of start making, like, cracks in it. Like, having these realizations that there are these people that they forgot. Um, and, like, this isn't, like, their correct world. But, like, then it was always kind of rerouted <laughs> back to, like, scenes with Chuck and, like, proving that he, like, each one was also, like, still kind of under his control. Like, I really like that it forced them to take a different way out. Like, that they actually had to confront the person who was making this time loop. That it wasn't just, like, oh, and, like, the universe has created this for you because you need to, like, express your feelings or realize your feelings or fix some emotional or, like, relationship interpersonal wrong. Like, it was very much like, okay, and now you actually genuinely do have to kill Chuck for this to work. Well, most time loops in fic, I feel like, are are morally neutral. There's something that needs to be fixed, and, like, that is just the thing, and it's very detached, and you never get any, like, sense that there's a person necessarily involved, or, like, an entity. This time loop was actively malicious, and they knew it was. And it's malicious, like, not just because Chuck is trying to trap them in this sort of, like, endless cycle to make them suffer because he hates them. It's malicious in the, like, yeah, like, they don't know what's real anymore, and also, like, their own sort of, like, brains are deteriorating yeah chuck is like can't you feel it like you forcing this many loops is like having this negative effect on you too something i really liked is that dean says to sam something along the lines of like remember like Cass, remember eileen remember bobby like all of those people like that's real like chuck can't take this from us and as things are sort of like slipping out of their grasp and as they're like struggling to 
yeah, I don't know, like, keep hold of what's real and break out of this thing. Um, there's a line that says, Dean doesn't know a lot, but he knows that much. This grief is his. That, like, I think really is the crux of what allows them to sort of keep having the ability to keep trying mm-hmm. to break this thing, to, like, keep going, is is the grief over the people they've lost and how much they care about them. And also that an ending that's just the two of them is bad because the whole point of it, like, I just love that it spits in the face of this idealism of rugged individualism and like, oh, like, we only need the two of us. Like, we've only ever needed the two of us because, like, that is so... As someone who uh rigorously watched all 15 seasons of supernatural <laughs> um okay i watched eight okay <laughs> i've watched eight of them um it does like there are so many people that come and like pass in and out of their lives for so many reasons and i really appreciated that this fake like the a big theme of it and kind of like a lesson almost was that like even if these people passed in and out even if they only had fleeting impacts like that's still valuable and important and you should like respect that and treasure it and honor it in the way that you're like living your life so i really love that like the the line that kept coming back to in the time loops that like you knew something was wrong was them saying like it's just you and me like we're free no you're not and also it shouldn't just be you and me it should be you and me and everyone else you you me and eileen <laughs> is, that, is that anything yeah i mean i think like yeah, exactly. Like, the show built them this, like, extended family, like, throughout the seasons. And some of those are people that they saw rarely or people that they loved and then were lost. Like, and some of them are people who, like, stuck around for most of the show. Like, and then for the ending to just be like, well, never mind. Just the brothers. <laughs> That's great. It's like, no. <laughs> so I think a lot of the fix that sort of had different takes on the ending we're like fuck that man like it's all about these other connections that they've built um and these other ways that they've built sort of like a family unit like it doesn't have to be like blood you know um even though like the show is fucking obsessed with like familial bonds (laughs) um but yeah i think like i think the idea that like it's these emotions about these other people not just between them that like gives them the power to actually like change things is kind of like a big part of the show overall like when it comes down to it it is always their feelings about other people in it like sometimes it is between dean and sam but sometimes it's about their other friends um so yeah i I like that that sort of was like what generated their ability to sort of like make the changes in this fic um yeah i think like in talking about this as a time loop fic something i thought was really interesting is like it feels less groundhog day where like oh and then you wake up every morning and then this exact same events like occur as it felt a lot more like the episodes of like the good place where Eleanor keeps realizing that it's the bad place and she's like oh wait this is the bad place and it's like reset oh wait this is the bad place like reset like that's kind of what this fic did because it's Um, not identical loops necessarily right it's changing things and that's exactly like what happened in that show basically it was like let's try different ways to convince them that like it's the good place like that's essentially what chuck is trying to do is like brainwash them into thinking that this is like the right ending um i yeah i was just thinking about that just now but i think that's what was kind of satisfying about it as like not really a trope subversion of like um time loop but just like an alternate take on what the loops what the purpose of them was, what they could look like, uh, how they affected our characters. Like, all of that I found really satisfying in this fic. Um, also, tangentially, I really liked that, like, Cass became deaf. <laughs> like, 
I think out of all of the sort of like archetypal like roles that are in Supernatural, Death is like my favorite one by far. I love that character and like, okay, ficlets if anyone's listening and has a really good fic rack for a fic where like dean has to take on the role of death i really <laughs> want to read it i've wanted to read it since like forever <laughs> i think it would be great okay um yeah please get back to me can i also talk about uh, an entirely different tangent um that was a very unexpected fic click extended universe crossover that mm-hmm. happened in this fic oh god yeah i guess um so i mean <laughs> Okay, so sort of the the thing that kind of breaks them out of this loop is, like, uh, Dean and Sam, like, basically walk backwards off a cliff, so instead of killing Chuck, they try to, like, kill themselves, basically, to, like, break the loop. And they end up in a liminal space with Michael, who's like, hey, you're gonna wake up again, I'm gonna need you to stall for a little bit, and then, like, me and Jack are gonna figure this out. And Dean's like, what the fuck does that mean? Anyway, uh, the confrontation with Chuck is, is Michael being like, okay, like, Jack and I are gonna be the new... Uh, God and Amara, I can't remember what her role, like darkness, darkness. darkness. Yeah. yeah. And Chuck goes, let me guess. He sold you on humanity's many charms. What did it for you? The mundane joy of a baseball game? Sunsets? Two day shipping? <laughs> um, and I was yeah. like, oh, ho, I'm thinking about the Sandman comic. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Chuck. The two day shipping really did do it for me. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, um, the death in the Sandman fic is uh, not Cass. A different yeah. death. Yeah. Neil Gaiman's Well, death. as far as we know. Yeah, that's true. Neither, none of us have read the Sandman yeah. comic, so if Neil yeah. Gaiman modeled him off of Cass from this fic, <laughs> unlikely, I, I think, just given the publication dates. But Yeah, it's, yeah. but it is kind of funny because Supernatural as a show does take so much from, like, Gaiman's works and, like, <laughs> from American Gods and stuff. Um, maybe Castiel was always based off of death from the Sandman comics. Right, maybe. Oh. I don't think so, but mm. maybe. <laughs> also, I just wanted to say in that scene, so... Basically, this confrontation between um, Chuck and Michael and Jack, um, Dean and Sam are both paralyzed. So Dean is just sort of like watching this all play out and can't really do anything about it. And something that was so interesting to me as like a reading experience, I, I can't like put my finger on exactly why, but it felt like I was like, I was almost like seeing like a stage, like a play in my head. This was almost like I was like reading a script, like I could see the stage directions, I could see the actors and the actions that they were taking and sort of like the very specific like Broadway intonation that people have when they're delivering their (laughs) lines. Like, I don't know, it it was a, it like really struck me like that reading experience of like, oh, this is like a stage play, Um, which I think is funny considering that like Chuck's whole thing is he like writes the scripts of how people act. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also funny because like, it's a final confrontation scene in which the powerful patriarch has a plan to dispatch the main character, which then falls apart and he ends up dying. Uh-huh. Yeah, Everything we already know that Supernatural is Hamlet. Is Hamlet. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Sorry. So thank you, Reed, for setting that up. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah sorry, Brad. I didn't mean to. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm well aware that it's Hamlet. Everything's Hamlet. Amen. <laughs> So one last thing that I wanted to talk about was, um, as people might know, um, I do, even now in the year 2021, have emotions about the line from the show, I was the one who gripped you tight and raised you from perdition, whatever. Um, But in this (laughs) fic, there was a line that made me, like, really revisit that, um, which is, 
it's toward the very end of the fic where Dean is talking to Castiel and Cass is like, whoops, I'm death. I kind of rush things. It's kind of a, an issue, but I'll figure it out. Uh, and Dean is just like, oh, so stupid. Da, da, da. And he th- and he thinks that Cass, quote, screwed himself over because Dean needed someone to drag him out of the fire again, end quote. And I was like, ah, wow, <laughs> a callback to like the moment it yeah. will always be the moment. I mean, Lazarus Rising, like, is the episode, you know? Yeah. She is the moment. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so I just wanted to shout that out because I really loved that line. And I I, I winked right back at the author who winked at me. <laughs> but I was winking with, like, a single tear rolling down my cheek. <laughs> yeah, very manly of you. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Feels appropriate for Supernatural where they yeah, are yeah. always, like, one single tear. Yeah, it was gritting my teeth. Don't worry. Yeah, okay. good, good. Yeah, so that was our discussion of Anamnesis by Sonataffy. Uh, if you, like me and many other people in fandom, were like, fuck this at the ending of Supernatural, I would recommend reading this fic. Um, I think it's cathartic and satisfying. <laughs> um, yeah, so a very fun take on the time loop trope uh and i thought just like a great sort of characterization and yeah the sort of sinister creeping feeling throughout it was really well done um yeah greatly enjoyed it and i'm glad my co-host did too So my fic for this episode is called Now You Have to Let Me Go for Dreams in a Row by AO3 user Not Spring. It is a fic for the K-pop group Seventeen. In this fic, um, Joshua normally uses his name Joshua in his life, but in this fic he is called Jisoo, which is his Korean name, so just FYI. Uh, as we talk about him, we will be calling him Jisoo, so don't be too confused if you lightly are familiar with Seventeen. Um, the relationships as tagged on this fic are Jisoo and Junghan, and then Sungchul slash Jisoo. And then there's also a past Sungchul slash Junghan tag. So that kind of encompasses what's going on here, but like it's hard to encompass what's going on here, I think. Um, this fic is a Veronica Mars AU, admittedly not a canon I'm particularly familiar with, but like murder drama, teens in high school investigating stuff is my understanding of it so i hope that um that that is good for any of you who do know that canon um before i get too much into like the background and my preliminary thoughts on the fic and stuff i do want to read out the content warnings because there are a bunch so just like no we are going to be talking about a lot of these things nothing in detail we as you probably know never really get too graphic into most things when we talk about fic but this one's pretty heavy and we are going to be discussing the events that take place so the warnings on this in the author's notes are major character death that takes place before the events of the story descriptions of a fatal head wound homophobic language non-graphic mentions of bullying and domestic abuse and implied suicide i would like to add as well that um it's not tagged on here and it is pretty vague in the story itself but myself and my two co-hosts all did pick up on uh, an implication of sexual abuse of a minor so i just want to note that that is shades of it are in here whether that ends up being like the actual thing that happened or not Um, I think you could read that into this fic pretty easily. So I wanted to add that as an additional warning. So (laughs) 
<laughs> that said, this is one of those fics where I feel like every few episodes there's a fic that I read, whether I brought it or one of my co-hosts did, where like we start talking about it and I start like my heart rate starts going up because I feel <laughs> I know we're not going to have enough time to talk about everything I want to say. <laughs> um, and this fic is one that I really have not stopped thinking about since I, disclaimer, baited it. <laughs> um, baited like the first 80% of it. Uh, and then it was finished after I gave comments. But just like FYI, um, if you're like, wow, Nick's expert touch is probably in here. You're right. I didn't do much. Um, but I literally have not stopped thinking about it. I told my co-hosts about it at length when we were in a car together before they read it. Before, Well, before I decided that I was going to make them read it. Um, so I'm going to give a basic overview of at least the first half of the plot. Like I'm going to give you the premise so that we can talk about it with a bit more context. If you want to read this fic and the warning seemed like something that you could handle, uh, would highly recommend going and reading it without knowing what's going to happen. I think that there are twists in here that, uh, experienced organically are like really a lot. And I think that if that's something that you're interested in, like being surprised by a fic, this fic will do that. So just going to note that. Um, but the premise of this fic is that Jisoo is a high schooler who pretty much will like do little like techie or investigative things for money. Um, like an example is someone's like, oh, like I lost my phone. Will you find it? It has like pictures on it that I don't want people to see. So he finds the phone and gives it back to this kid for money. Um, so we pick up with um, him basically grieving Jonghan. So Jonghan dies before this fic starts. Uh, we know that he died. We know that Jisoo suspects that he was killed. Um, there's not a lot of information about his death at the beginning of this fic. Um, and we also know that Jonghan was dating Seungchul at the time of his death. Seungchul and Jisoo, not on good terms, but Seungchul goes to Jisoo and says, hey, uh, my mom is missing. She's been missing. I need your help to find out what happened. Jisoo has some suspicion that the thing, whatever's happening with Seungchul's mom is related to Jonghan. Um, the authorities never like investigated further about Jung Han's death, and Jisoo is very invested in finding out what happened. So that's the premise of this: is that it's Seungchul and Jisoo who are on very bad terms at the start of this fic, uh, working together to try to unravel some of the mystery around what happened here, and they discover a lot, um, not everything. And the fic acknowledges from Jisoo's POV that like there might not have been a way to find everything necessarily, but they discover a lot, and a lot of truths come to light. And it gets real intense, um, but it is very much like a murder mystery noir detective kind of a vibe while they are also still like teens. So that is the overall premise of this fic, and we're going to be talking about it more at length. So last chance to go read it before we spoil a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I would love to hear what my co-hosts thought about it and just like how reading it was for both of you. Yeah, so this fic uh, made me feel unwell, um, both in a good way and a just straight up kind of unwell way, <laughs> which was like satisfying for the genre, though. Like, it made me feel unwell, first of all, in a way where I sort of wanted to run into the woods and shriek because there's some lines and some moments that are like so good. And the writing and the prose is just like, yeah, it knocks it out of the park. And then it did also make me feel unwell in a sort of like sinister things are happening with this murder like I'm anxious and like my stomach hurts um, but like that's how I feel oftentimes when I'm watching like a murder mystery that's very like compelling and gives you that just like creeping anxiety and dread about 
what you think has happened. Um, and this has a lot of that. Um, and there's people who did really bad and messed up things. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I felt like the prose and the characterizations were excellent. I am not familiar with like 17 members really at all. Uh, so they kind of all read as OCs to me, which was cool. Like it totally worked. I happily read this without any knowledge. Except I will say I did kind of get confused when it would mention people that they knew at school and then I had to check if they were just OCs or 17 <laughs> members because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if they're if they're 17 member who mostly goes by a stage name, like, I don't know, because <laughs> I kind of know the names of the members of 17, but in this fic they all use their, like, full Korean names and not, like, any stage names or anything like that. So I was like, um who are you? Uh, but <laughs> it would be kind of that, wild if they encountered Minghao in this fic and he went by the eight. Like <laughs> Jisoo imagine. turns to the person next to him in class, the eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, where I did have to do some Googles, um, yeah, it was very readable without any like outside 17 knowledge. Um, I will say my favorite member of 17 is Joshua. <laughs> I don't know that that impacted my reading of this much, but <laughs> I did enjoy him being there, even though he was having a bad time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I will also say, like, I am very fond of the show Veronica Mars, but have not watched it in many years. So I didn't really remember that much about what happens at the beginning of it. Um, there were a few things in this fic that kind of, like, t like made the back of my brain be like, hmm, wait, doesn't that feel familiar? So I did end up going and sort of looking back up the plot of season one. Um... And a lot of what happens in that season with Veronica and her friend Lily, who gets murdered, um, is very similar to what happens in this fic. So if you are familiar with season one of Veronica Mars, like, you might be able to predict things in this fic. <laughs> um, but I also kind of like that because I think overall the tone of this did feel kind of different to me than, like, the tone of Veronica Mars as a show. Um, not in a bad way, but I just, like, as I was reading it, I was like, huh, I mean, I guess he's, like doing detective work and in high school but then rereading back through like what season one actually contains and like how veronica is affected by like lily's death and like figures it out and comes to these like realizations i was like oh right okay 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 like i got it um yeah i i think veronica even has like dreams with lily in them so um that definitely plays into like what happens to jisoo in this sick which i really want to get to the dreams were like my favorite part yes this fic made me feel wretched, and, like, that sounds like a bad thing, but uh, similar to Brenna, like, this this is not a nice fic, if you didn't gather from sort of the content warnings and Nick's um, brief plot summary. Like, Jisoo and Sungchul, not having a good time at the beginning of this fic, have an even worse time for most of it, and then even by the ending, like, it's tagged open ambiguous ending, so it's not, it's not, like, just miserable but like a lot of the fic is like yeah pretty pretty miserable and I felt wretched all the way through reading it but fully in that way that was like yeah I felt wretched because I was like oh I'm reading these horrible things but like it's so compelling and I can't stop reading like this fic phenomenally well written I really 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 enjoyed it but it did give me a feeling that I hardly ever have reading fic of like yeah like sick to my stomach um and as Nick mentioned we had been told the plot of this fic uh, a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. so Did I, I retain all of it? No, I didn't. Also, like, was I coherent? <laughs> <laughs> I had so many feelings. I'd retained the twist of, like, who is behind it. And so I sort of had that in my brain reading it. 
even still did not in any way impede like my sense of dread the whole time the like anxiety as like jisoo and sungchul are going through the clues like this fic is again so so well written um nick has been an ao3 user not spring stan for a very long time um and this is my first not spring fic that i've read and i can see why like the writing is just phenomenal and i felt so like i had to choose very carefully i was so nervous <laughs> um <laughs> Hell of a fic to choose, but not in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, even from the very beginning, it's like, this fic does not pull its punches at all. Um, and it grips you and it's like, buckle up, this is going to be a pretty shitty roller coaster, but you're in it now. I, I feel like what I'm saying sounds contradictory. I want to emphasize that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this fic. It just also is like tough to read. I don't know, especially as someone who like, I've never seen Veronica Mars and like, I don't watch a lot of tv and what i do watch of like tv or movies doesn't tend to be the kind of like murder mystery detective noir like i don't consume a lot of media in this genre anyway and so i think it was definitely hard hitting in the like yeah it leans in it's it's rough it's rough going yeah i mean it's like what you said like this fake it doesn't set out with the intention of being nice like it isn't ambiguous open ending there is definitive resolution the mm -hmm. reason it's open is because there was no way for it to be happy yeah like the resolution is closure more than anything else. Like the crime um, gets solved and a person is brought to justice for it. Does not stop the fact that like Jisoo and Sungchul experienced all of these really horrible things. And like, oh my god, yeah, the relationship in this fic is fucked yeah. up. It is not You good. understand why I had a hard time like describing it. <laughs> so for a little bit more context, um... Sungchul and Junghan were dating before this fic started and uh, before Junghan died. I guess they were still dating when he died, but like that's kind of sad. Um, and Jisoo was Junghan's very, very close friend. Jisoo and Sungchul, from my understanding, were mostly fine while they were dating, but like just saw each other as like Junghan's other person. Um, and after Junghan died and Jisoo would not basically let the investigation rest like kept saying like this seems wrong like something feels bad here like are we sure that it was an accident are we sure that the perpetrator just escaped and there was no like premeditation or anything and sing chul probably i mean in some ways understandably in his grief was really not having it so the bullying tag is between like sing chul and his group of friends and jisoo so like they're on bad terms um so it is really really interesting this fic is not romantic um the the slash tag there like i guess if you're like a really diehard shipper of these two you could make something out of it but for the most part it is that they like sleep together very briefly um like mess around with each other essentially and like a very kind of messed up way of like you can tell they're both very much thinking about Junghan in like different ways um so yeah I don't know it's 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 a it's a really interesting one the central focus of this fic is a really really close friendship and there really is not the implication that Junghan and Jisoo were in love with each other and I think that that was a really strong choice that I personally really enjoyed and it seems like it matches up with Veronica Mars to my understanding of that story which is only what Brenna has told me <laughs> yeah I don't think you're supposed to believe that Veronica and Lily were in love just that they loved each other in a friend way um yeah I really enjoyed how the relationships in this were handled like the looking back that you get that like you're understanding that Sung Chol and Jung Han like were very much in love but then also Jisoo's 
really deep friendship with Jung Han that's very different than Jung Han's relationship relationship with Sung Chol. And then everything between Sung Chol and Jisoo was so compelling to me. Like, at no point was I shipping it. Like, even when they're yeah. sort of messing around together, I was like, ah, stop. <laughs> like, you know, it's not healthy. You know that they're just like reacting to grief and like these uncertain emotions in this way. Like, I was rooting for them to like be able to work together as like partners sort of in this fic. And I really liked them to sort of having realizations about why the other one reacted the way that they did in the aftermath of Jung Han's death and like coming to a better understanding of each other and like how they sort of were like thrown together by these terrible things happening and then by them subsequently like doing all their little PI work and finding out more horrible things that were like involved in Jung Han's death. And yeah, I found that really compelling. And like, at the end, I did find myself hoping that like they could go on to be friends throughout like the rest of at least high school, if not beyond. But like, and no, like, I really like that I didn't have any desire for them to be involved romantically. Um, and that I also didn't ever have like a feeling of like, oh, was Jisoo in love with Jong Han? Like, I liked that this was so much about the different shades of like friendship and the different sort of dynamics that you can have with a person um, and the ways that people can be important to you in ways that aren't romantic. Um, even though also like Sung Chul and Jung Han's actual romance was also really key to the story. But yeah, just really liked it. I also really liked how like, unhappy it is in the end like there is all this resolution and you do get this sense that like they and and jisoo can move on and will be able to move on um and make something out of their lives that isn't just fixating on jung han's death but like it doesn't make it okay like they're not okay about it it's fucked up and they lost this person that they loved and yeah ah it was just really good that last dream okay made me cry both times i read it Ugh. I was just going to say that, like, I feel like a crucial part of every convoluted relationship tag on this fic is the dreams. Um, yes. Or the dreams. Um, so Jisoo has, I think, two categories of dreams. Uh, one of them is he is sort of constantly reliving the last time he saw Jung-hen when they went to a 7-Eleven together. And uh, Jisoo said, like, what are you up to or where are you going or something? And Jung-hen said, wouldn't you like to know? And that's the, like, the last thing he said to Jisoo. And Jisoo's like, yeah, in retrospect, he really fucking would. Um, but the dream is not always that same memory playing out. It plays out in different ways. Like, you get from the very first, like, paragraph, um, content warning for graphic depiction of violence, but, uh, Jisoo's dreams take him back there all the time. It was the last time they saw each other. If he's lucky, he dreams of the way it really happened. Jung-hen's face unblemished, his skull intact. Those are the best ones and the rarest. Um, which, like, what a fucking Yikes, way to set up your fic. Yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah, this is, like, the first thing you're reading in this entire fic. It's so good! Okay, sorry, go ahead, read. So you have these. You have these dreams where Jisoo is talking to Jung-hen. And, like, as Jisoo is investigating with Sung Chol, like, Jung-hen is almost, like, helping him with it. Like, it's almost an aspect of, like the ghost of Jung-hen is, like, helping prod him along, even though, like, you know that's not really what's happening. Um, and then the other category of dreams is Jisoo is dreaming that he is Jung-hen and he's hooking up with Sung-chul. Like, the first time it happens, like... Or he is Sung-chul. Or he is Sung-chul, yeah. Like, and, like, hanging out with Jung-hen. But, like, he has this dream where, like, uh, like Sung-chul basically, like, leans forward to kiss him and uh, Jisoo in his head is like, oh, like, I know I shouldn't do this, but, like, he does... And then, like, in the middle of it, opens his eyes and sees his reflection, and he is Jonghead, which is 
ah, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it is so fucked in a way that I was so into. Like, that sounds bad to say, but like, oh my God. Yeah, it, there is no good way to describe the relationships in this fic because they are convoluted and kind of horrible, but so fucking compelling. Yeah, the mess is what makes it so, like, interesting. And, like, it's that part of the fic felt like you were watching a train crash. And I was very about it. There's so much about this fic that felt like watching a train crash, but I think especially that for me of just, like, nothing, nothing good is going to come out of this. Like, absolutely nothing. But they don't, it's like they don't know what else to do. Well, yeah, because it's like in these dreams, like, Jesus, like, I shouldn't be doing this. And then he does. And then they do start hooking up in real life. And then in the middle of them hooking up is when Jisoo, like, sees a camera and he's like, what the fuck were you recording me? And he was like, did you do this to Jonghan? Like, are you the one who did all of these things? And Sungchul's like, how could you believe that of me? And it's like, uh, pretty easily, actually, because you guys were not on good terms to start with. And, like, you're, you're in this, like, weird, okay, we're partners in trying to investigate this thing, but everything is so tense and fraught. Yeah, it's not the emotional appeal that works in that scene. It's the logical appeal of, like, why would I ask for your help then? Like, mm-hmm. Sungchul mm-hmm. can't convince Jisoo by saying, like, I'm good. I wouldn't. I loved him. It's It doesn't make any sense for me to have done this. And also the contrast between basically going, Sungchul going, do you trust me more? Do you trust my father? Who, um, big spoiler horns, beep, 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 beep. Um, yeah, Sungchul's dad is the one who murdered Jonghan and also, like, more than likely murdered Sungchul's mom. You never, like, fully get confirmation on that, but, like, she's been missing long enough that they're, like, she's probably dead, and then you find out that, like, she and Jonghan were collaborating to, like, maybe turn Sungchul's father in. Um, yeah, I think the implication there is either that he killed her or that she killed herself. I think it's hard to tell. Yeah, I was reading it with the suicide implication, but she's definitely dead, so. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, the do you, would would you rather trust me or my father yikes yikes yeah i just like i think for me like the dreams that jisoo has where he's either jonghan or sungchul are really impactful but the dreams that he has where he's just talking to jonghan are the ones that really made me want to launch myself into orbit mm-hmm. um <laughs> like the first you're one already in orbit <laughs> sorry i'm already in orbit the ones that made me want to launch myself out of the space station and just like into oh, orbit with my little okay. suit. oh no <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, Sandra Bullock gravity yeah, I don't floating? know I didn't watch that movie it seemed like it would scare me <laughs> um but yeah the first one and the last one were the ones that were like really made me feel messed up in a great way like I the choice to have that first dream be like the opening was such a strong like literary choice and something that I do not expect from fan fiction like reading it made me feel like I was reading an opening paragraph to like a book because it goes so hard and is unflinching and I was instantly gripped I think sometimes when we were reading fics for this pod when I'm reading a fic for a fandom that I don't know for like a pairing that I don't really care about personally like it can take me a little while to get invested in the fic. I have to sort of go in being like, okay, well, I'm going to read a little bit and then I'll like start getting invested in either like the ship or the plot or something or like the prose. Something will, will pull me in. But it's rare that it happens right off the bat like this. And this opening was so strong. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, AO3 uh-huh. user not spring. Like, I get it. <laughs> it's good, actually. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that that first dream that sort of Reed read the ending to, and then there's a last dream where Jisoo revisits that 7-Eleven with Jung-Hun, and it goes like, it's going to be different now, Jung-Hun said. His feet are planted in front of him as he stares out into the distance, as though there's anything to see except the trash pile across the street. You know that, right? Jisoo opens his mouth and finds he can speak for the first time since the dream started. I'll miss you, he says, voice barely more than a whisper. I'll miss you. And it's so good. Like, that whole dream just made me feel out of my gourd, um, <laughs> running into the woods to shriek. Like, it's really emotional. And yeah, I just like, as I said earlier, it leaves you with this feeling that like, there can be not closure, but there can be like a moving on for Jisoo. There can be him working through some of this stuff finally that's been he's been unable to process for all of these months as he didn't know what happened to Jung-Han. And yeah, it's just, I really like the decision that that was what this fic ended with too, that it came full circle back to this moment with Jisoo and Jung-Han and that that was the central relationship. Like, not to like shove Sung-Chol off to the side because he's <laughs> a super, pre- he's a super prevalent part of this fic, but like, for me, it does come back to the Jisoo Junghan friendship, and I really like that the fic sort of came full circle. Um, I found it really satisfying for the story and like just a really good emotional beat. Yeah, I also completely like so into the ending. Um, so at the end of the story, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a long story very short because we do not have a lot of time here. Um, they do discover video evidence that. Sungchol's father killed Jonghan from Sungchol's mom's dash cam footage. So they were like in on it together of like the confrontation and she was there. Um, she didn't intervene in any way and he was killed and just left there. So woof. Uh, it is not the only footage they find. There's a lot of references to like really upsetting videos in the story that link to the content warnings that I gave earlier. So read the fake if you want it. I'm not going to get into that right now, but they are able to turn in that last video to the authorities and Sung Chul's father is arrested. So that is kind of like its own sort of happy ending, but at the same time, like Sung Chul's entire family has been absolutely blown apart. His mom is dead. His dad is in jail. Like he wants nothing to do with him, obviously. So at the end of the fic, there is an implication that they are going to be parting ways and we don't know exactly how, but uh, Sung Chol basically is like, I might go stay with my aunt in Daegu um, and like leave the city entirely. He really doesn't have a way to stay. Uh, he doesn't have anywhere to go at this point. So um, there very much is a sense that he is moving on, going somewhere else, leaving. Jisoo mentions potentially going to finish his school year or then redoing the school year, I guess, in Los Angeles um, because he failed it. I think understandably he was doing a lot of things that were very much not his homework. So um I don't know, to me at least, I read it as like, it really was a true ending to this. Like they, in my head at least, like they don't really talk to each other again after this. They go on, they lead completely different lives. They probably like, I don't know, I thought it was just such an interesting choice to leave it so, so much closure and yet so much openness of like, the happiest ending for both of them probably is to forget as much as possible that any of this happened because it is so horrible and it is so hard to reconcile with like living a life of meeting and happiness maybe that's extremely bleak um but i just thought it was a really really smart choice um because i think any neater tidy or happier ending would have felt very forced here uh, this is not a neat happy tidy fic so 
I just really appreciated how true it stayed tonally the entire way through. Like, what you see really is what you get, and you get a lot. So that was our discussion on Now You Have to Let Me Go, Four Dreams in a Row by Not Spring, which is just a really, really intense story that has stayed with me for the couple of months that it has existed on the archive and about a week before that. Um, I think it is such a strong piece of genre fiction. I think that it knows what it wants to set out to do and then it does that thing in a way that I just think it has like it it just rocked me emotionally. So I was really excited to get to bring it and talk about it. Um we probably cut out our whining about how we didn't have enough time to (laughs) discuss it, but it happened. So know that um there's always more to say, I think. And I really love stories like that where there's so many things that you can pick apart and look at and appreciate. So really, really glad that I got to bring it and talk about this fic by an author that I love. And I hope you enjoyed, for a certain definition of enjoyed, listening to our conversation about it. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to reach us on other platforms, you can do so on Twitter or Tumblr at FitClick. Um, if you're following us on Twitter, you might get to participate in 5-Minute Flash Polls, where we then use your answers for an intro. Um, you can also contact us in long form by emailing us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. Um, and we have a Discord server that is lots of fun, lots of very interesting discussions that go on there. Um, and you can find the link to that Discord server on our Twitter. We also have some merch up. Uh, You may have noticed that we did a little bit of a redesign recently, um, and we have some corresponding new merch up on Redbubble. So you can also find the link to that on our Twitter um, if you want to check it out. If you like what we're doing and you want to help more people find us, there are a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, You can leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. If it allows reviews, you can go rogue and just write your own review in a blog post if you'd like to do that. You could fax a full page of notes about FitClick to a friend or a business. (laughs) there's lots of options we also do always respect and appreciate the art of carrier pigeons so if any of these uh, appeal to you uh, we're a very small pod word of mouth is mostly how we get new listeners so we always appreciate a little bit of help in that regard very excitingly for us and also very strange to think about we are coming up on our second anniversary we have decided for our anniversary episode that we want to do um we're, we're calling Ficklet Roulette. So we do normally have a Google form open where you can submit FicRex. It's somewhere on our Twitter. One day we'll, <laughs> one day we'll reorganize that into something more navigable. Um, but for this, what we are doing is sort of asking you, our dear Ficklets, to submit fix to us. Um, we only have like a couple parameters for things that we don't want to be included. And then we're going to put them all in a spreadsheet and randomly pick a number. And that's the fic we're going to bring and talk about. Um, so unlike like a Rex submission forum where, you know, I might be like, ooh, that's a fandom I'm in. And like this fic premise sounds interesting. This is all random. Mostly within our normal parameters of word length, we've uh, sort of increased it a little bit. But also you can submit up to three different fics. So we ask that like, you know, if you've got like a 67k fic you really want to wreck, please feel free. But also maybe chuck us like a 10k one or something so that we're not bringing three incredibly long fix to and trying to cram them into a regular length episode. 
If you are interested in sending in a fic for us, you can find the form on our Twitter and also in our Discord. Please do send us fics. We would love to have many options to choose from um, in our little random number generator game. Mm -hmm. Even if they're for Stuart Little. Yeah, you can send us a Stuart Little fic. Feels kind of right for the pod, to be honest. Please don't send us like a lot of Stuart Little fix. <laughs> no, 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 just one, just one. But like, you can send us like one. Yeah. And then if it happens, it happens. Our anniversary episode ends up being Stuart Little themed. <laughs> we can't no, do that. No, no, no. We're going to leave it up to getting fate. vetoed. <laughs> that is still a little ways off, though. Um, next episode will be a regular three fic episode. It will be coming out on September 3rd. And for my fic, I'm bringing. A Better Way Forward by Ignis Mai. It is a Formula One fic, uh, Lando Norris Lance Stroll, but it is a food critic, also spies, also maybe a Cars 2 AU? Um, <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, it's... <laughs> the author's note really just drew me and it was incredible and I was like, I have to figure out what's going on here. It was very funny, very delightful. Um, I'm excited about it. Brenna, what is your fic? Yeah, so my fic pick for next episode is called The Ghost in the Garden by Clocknobbin. I think that's how you say it. Um, this was a rec from one of our friends of the pod, AJ, so thanks in advance, AJ. Um, it is for the Witcher video game series, uh, and it's sort of like a case fic, so I'm excited for it. Nick, what's yours? So my fic is called Smashed Creatures by Avocado Moon, and it is a fic for the film from 2019, Ready or not. It's like a thriller horror movie. Um, the pairing is Daniel slash Grace. Um, the only tag on it is Canon Divergence. FYI, there's like, I would also warn for like cycles of familial abuse and like past abuse and like cult parallels. So just FYI on that. Um, we'll share like a full spread of content warnings when we post the fix for this episode on Twitter. But just if you if you read ahead. Um, I'm just letting you know that there are definitely warnings on here that are not tagged for. Well, it's been a great episode, Ficklets, but now you have to let us go. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> you can have your space, cowboy. Until the next episode, <laughs> bye! Well, Ficklets, I'll see you next time as long as I don't get stuck in an unending time loop written by God. Okay, bye! <laughs> <laughs>